Now, the container concept is super interesting, so please tell us all about it. Building out a full brick and mortar restaurant can be very expensive. It can mm -hmm. go up to the millions, uh, depending on how, how big of a space we're talking. Right. We said, well, you know what, what if we put these in a container? And, you know, real estate's expensive right now, just like anything else. Um, what if we put these in a container and we can just plug these in, in parking lots on high traffic main roads? So we said, well, we don't know how to do that, but let's figure it out. It's a lot less expensive than opening a full brick and mortar restaurant. You know, we're confident that we can get franchisees into this for about 250 all in. Hey there, and welcome back to the podcast. My guest this week represents a 56-year-old brand known for honesty, down-home family values, real comfort food, and a genuine Wild West theme. I'm particularly impressed with their multiple revenue stream model. As you know, I'm a huge believer in having multiple profit centers in your business, so you'll have to learn all about how they do it. Also, we're going to be talking about exceptional guest service, true hospitality, as well as the challenges your business is facing, the labor shortage, rising costs and inflation, and so on. Stay tuned. Thanks to the sponsors of this week's episode, Smithfield Culinary, The Birthday Club, the Restaurant Rockstars Academy, and Verge Funding Group. Now, on with the episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Listen, you've heard a lot of noise about the ERC tax credit. Why is it such a big deal? Because your business already paid a ton of money in payroll taxes, and more than likely, you qualify to get a ton of money back. Now, if you haven't applied yet, I'm telling you, drop everything. Drop what you're doing and figure out how to get it done. The truth is, and I'm speaking from experience here, it's super easy to get the money back if you let an expert do the work for you. Now, get on this before the government either changes the program or runs out of money. I got hundreds of thousands of dollars back from my restaurant, and it literally saved our business. Now, you may have heard it may take many months after applying to get your money back, but that doesn't have to be the case. If you need your ERC refund sooner to run your business or to take care of some much-needed projects, you can speak with Karen Garbett, the owner of Verge Funding Group, about a bridge loan or other working capital. Now, whether you wait for your check, opt for a bridge loan or other working capital, it's likely you have a significant amount of money due back to you, so don't lose it. Now go to the show notes for this episode on our website and use Karen's calendar link to set up a time to chat with her personally about how much money your business can get back. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons, for fun, celebration, for family, for lifestyle. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high risk, high fail business. It's hard to find great staff. Costs are rising and profits are disappearing. It's a treacherous road and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants that I've now sold for millions of dollars. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. I created a game-changing system and it's filled with everything I've learned in over 20 years running super profitable, super fun restaurants. Everything from creating high-profit menu items and cost controls to staff training where your teams serve and sell, to marketing hooks, money-maximizing tips, and efficiencies across your operation. What does this mean to you? More money to invest in your restaurant, to hire a management team, time freedom, and peace of mind. 
You don't just want to run a restaurant, you want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy and I'll show you how it's done. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast with me today, Mr. Austin Capaferi, and he is the president of franchising and development for a very large franchise operator called Next Brands. We're going to be specifically talking about the growth of a company called Beefaroo. Welcome to the show, Austin. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Well, my audience knows I always start with the backstory of my guest. It's really interesting, all the people that I meet in this industry and where the career began for them. And, and you know, pride and passion certainly is a huge fueler for our industry. And everyone in this business has it to some extent. It all started in a different place. What's your backstory? Sure. So uh, I was kind of born into the industry. Um, my parents are one of the largest Hungry Howies uh, franchisees in the nation. Um, so grew up in the business. Um, you know, watched their struggles, watched their successes, um, worked in the stores. Um, once I got to about 18, I had to work my way up through the company. Uh, nothing was handed to me. So I had to start on the inside, the delivery driver, then up to an assistant manager, then manager roles. Um, at that point, I decided I wanted to kind of make my own way. Um, my parents were very happy for me about that. Um, and so then I went and moved on um, in some district manager roles with Burger King, um, and then ultimately going um, most recently to the director of operations role with a large Little Caesars franchise, and then ending up here <clears throat> as the uh, president of Next Brands and uh, Beefroot Franchising. Wow, that's definitely quite a bunch of history with some leading brands there. So your experience is extensive. And it really started young. That's fantastic. I mean, you grew up in the business. So fantastic for telling us that. Thanks so much. Now, why don't you tell us about the history of Beefaroo? That's a really interesting story also. And then the concept is really interesting and different. So I, I want to get into all of that, but let's start about the history of the brand first. Sure. So it started in 1967. Um, it started in Rockford, Illinois. Um, and all of the restaurants that they opened at that time were franchises. Um, so it was owned by the parents. Um, the kids got involved with their business, uh, Roberta, Nick, and Melissa. Um, and they said, well, you know what? We don't want to do franchising. We're going to make, we're going to let the current franchisees operate as is. Um, but anything else we're going to open there, they're going to be company stores. Um, so they opened up their company stores. They have seven of them in Rockford, Illinois. They decided to branch out of Rockford to a village called West Dundee, Illinois. Um, we went there, we tried the product. Um, it's right outside of Chicago and we loved it and we had to figure out a way to get involved. Um, so after some discussions, we were able to secure the franchising rights because we knew that we couldn't just let this sit in, in one city. We knew the potential that was, um, that this brand had. Um, so we acquired the franchising rights, uh, the beginning of this year and, um, the rest is history. So it was operating as a franchise before. Now, I understand this company's 55 years old, if, if right. I'm correct. So there's a history there. And, and it's basically a burger chain that also sells roast beef, or would you consider it more of roast beef that sells burgers? And your menu is more extensive than that, but that's really what it's known for, thus the name. Yes. Yeah, so it's a definitely roast beef uh, place that sells burgers. Okay. Um, yep. So they're known for their famous roast beef, their cheddar fries. And then, yes, we do have burgers. We have wraps. We have mahi-mahi. We have salads. We have the, the list goes on and on about, about mm -hmm. all of the different items that we have. 
And the name Beefaroo, it has sort of a Western cowboy sort of connotation. Is that correct? Is that really where it came from? It does. They wanted this this wild West feel. Yeah. Um, and that's where our little logo buckaroo guy came from, mm-hmm. um, the little cowboy. And, you know, people love it. I mean, you wouldn't believe the amount of merchandise that the stores sell, just a branded things with the little buckaroo guy on it from cups to T-shirts to hoodies. Now, franchises can be quite complex. Um, and just in getting a franchise off the ground, because you can have a successful restaurant and think, oh, this will translate into different regions or different locations. And then there's obviously a whole business model around franchising. So if we start with this company as a franchise, but then obviously Next Brands comes in as a completely professional organization that deals with some of the largest leading companies in the world. Was there much work to do? Was all the framework really in place? You simply bought the rights to it? Or, you know, did they have the systems in place? Because systems are the key word when we're talking about franchises. Um, Every franchise is different, of course, the extent of their training and how they onboard new franchisees. And, And there's literally a thousand details to a solid series of systems within a franchise. So can you tell us about what what was there? Other than you came in, you tried the product, you definitely said, wow, this has so much potential to it. It's great. The food is awesome. It We definitely see it as a leading franchise. What does it take to get there? Is that a confusing sure. question? Do you know what I'm saying? No, I understand what you're saying. So it goes both ways. So yes, it was easier because they had systems in place to be able to mm-hmm. get this off the ground and take it to market. Now that's from an operational standpoint, right? So all of the operational procedures um, were in place, but getting this thing off the ground to be able to legally take this to the market, now that that was a challenge, right? So you have to have all these different things prepared for potential franchise disease, standard operating procedures. What color is your grout going to be um, in, in your restaurant? And you have to have all of these answers. So um, it took a lot of hours um, and a lot of days and a lot of sleepless nights to be able to put this together, to be able to go forward with full confidence and say, well, we're ready to go. Would you say that there was a rebranding that needed to take place in terms of uh, not changing the concept, but maybe freshening it, making it more relevant to the times, maybe having a future direction? I mean, if we use McDonald's as an example, right, it has had so many iterations to the look and the vibe of a, of a McDonald's, right? And then they even went back to their, their roots and their beginnings, and they tried to make it look like 1955 again. You know, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Has that happened to this brand with, with Next working with it? So yes and no, again. Um, so if you look at the stores in Rockford, every single location is completely different. They have their own theme. One is in an old firehouse. Uh, oh, one I is love themed it. Of, of Wild West. One is themed yeah. of the 60s. Okay. Um, so when we came on board, we said, you know what? That's not really going to work for franchisees. We have to have a uni- uniformity across mm-hmm. the board. Yep. Um, because we can't just let franchises do whatever they want while we'll give them wiggle room. Yes, but we have to have some type of brand standard here um, for these franchisees to go off of. So, you know, with us coming on, yes, it's creating more uniformity um, a- a- across the board for the franchisees because they need structure. They need a lot of people that get into this. This is their first time they've ever bought a business and they need guidance. That's what I would expect. So, my first thought was, wow, there's a certain uniqueness and a certain liberty to put your own feel to it because yep. different different communities 
uh, you know, have have different sort of um, things that are important to that community, and and restaurants may celebrate the community in a certain way by you know uh, putting that decor on the wall. So at first you're like, okay, they're all unique, but yes, when you have a franchise, you want the consistency to be there, whether you're in the original location or you're 300 miles away in another location. Right. You want it to taste the same, look the same, be the feeling of what you equate to that brand. So thanks for answering that question. Let's talk about the unique container concept. Now, that's really interesting because obviously there's a certain investment involved in getting into any franchise and restaurants can be obviously really sort of um, costly depending on what it is and building out a store. Now, the container concept is super interesting. So please tell us all about it. Sure. So like you mentioned, building out a full brick and mortar restaurant can be very expensive. It can mm-hmm. go up to the millions, uh, depending on how, how big of a space we're talking. Right. Um, we said, well, you know what, what if we put these in a container and, you know, real estate's expensive right now, just like anything else. Um, what if we put these in a container and we can just plug these in, in parking lots on high traffic main roads? Um so we said, well, we don't know how to do that, but let's figure it out. So we sat down and, and we figured it out and we got, you know, renderings of uh, what we want this container to look like. We had to, I, well, not we, but I had to pull it together an equipment package. Now it's tough because now you got to make sure that these dimensions fit in this container for this equipment. Um, so I had to pull that together. We had to pull, uh, you know, the utilities. Is there utilities in the ground that we can tap into? So these are all things that go into mm-hmm. the site work of this. Yes. Um, but it's a lot less expensive than opening a full brick and mortar restaurant. You know, we're confident that we can get franchisees into this for about two fifty all in. Yeah. So let's talk about. Let me let me dig a little deeper on the container because when our audience is listening, myself included, we're thinking container. We're thinking about. They come in two varieties. They come in 20 foot lengths and 40 foot lengths, and they're, they're long rectangular boxes that fit, that stack, you know, on ships that transport yeah. goods around the world. Do you take more than one container and sort of weld them together and cut walls out? And, you know, obviously there's got to be ventilation. There's got to be utilities. Like you said, the equipment's got to fit, but people also have to be able to come inside. So what is the typical square foot of the container configuration and how does that all work? So you're looking at about 800 square feet. Okay. Um, yep. You're looking at the, the one that we're currently doing is two 10 by 40 uh, containers in an L shape. Um, it's drive-through only yeah. um, with outdoor seating for a patio. So no indoor dining. I like it. Um, nice. Yeah. And when we build these out, yes. So we, we, we gut them. Um, we send them off for manufacturing and, and they prefabricate everything for us. So they drill, we give them our plans and they drill in the roof where the exhaust fan needs to go, where, the, where all the HVAC is going, where the electrical is going. Um, and then they basically give it to us and we put it down where we want it to go and plug everything in and we're ready to rock and roll. Now I'm assuming it's also a winter climate. Right. So you need them to be fully insulated, that sort of thing. There's probably high energy, um, you know, low impact heat pumps and that sort of thing to, to heat these units so that, you know, that sort of thing. All right. So I'm getting the L shaped configuration. That's very cool. Now, what about the locations? Cause I'm, I'm assuming you have a team obviously that travels to the different regions where franchisees are interested in you, your site selectors. And then you negotiate leases on property and then, you know, you've got to meet zoning organ, um, you know, zoning rules and all those sort of ordinances and, and sort of thing. And, and then, you know, it's a drive through. So obviously you need traffic flowing both ways and 
Mm-hmm. Right? That's so, a whole process unto itself. It is. So the good thing about Next Brands is we're also a company, the parent company is called SFV Services. Mm-hmm. SFV Services is construction. They do build outs for um, restaurants. And that's how this company started was they were doing all these build outs for franchises. And the owner of SFV said, well, I'm going to start a franchise company and call it Next Brands. And here we are. So the great thing about us is we do everything for the franchisees. We do their construction. We do their permitting. We go through the zoning. We do the site surveys. We do site selection. That's all in-house. So these franchisees aren't working with five, six, seven different companies. Everything's done under one roof here in our office. Gotcha. Um, as far as the site selection goes, yes. Um, Rose City, where we're opening our first container, is in Michigan. Um, it's in a very rural town. Um, the only thing to eat there in that town is a McDonald's. So the community is very excited about this. Definitely. Um, and we're mm-hmm. plugging it into a parking lot with an Ace Hardware. Um, and the traffic on that road is great. Um, and, you know, we could be more excited for it. But yes, we do have teams that go down and do the site surveys on um, on the buildings or if they have, uh, if the franchisees have a place in mind, we go down there, we got to make sure it works, right? That's great that you want to put a restaurant here, but will it work? Will the city allow it? Will the county allow it? Um, and what is this going to cost you to convert it into a restaurant? And again, that's all, that's the great thing about our company. It's all in-house. Now, COVID has caused complete upheaval in the building trades also. And, you know, many parts of the country are having trouble, even individual residents, you know, getting a plumber to come over within a two or three week window is nearly impossible. And you obviously need a variety of subs, but I'm hearing it's one company that does all this. Is it sort of dedicated to building out these franchisees and they will travel or you've got to find these subcontractors in all the different communities and not have any delays and keep things on schedule and all that sort of thing. It's a real challenge right now. I don't know if if you're finding it to be so, but I know in other areas it is. It it, it is a challenge. Yes. I'm I'm not going to say it's not, but uh, SFV is the managing member, right? So, Mm -hmm. so we hire, we uh, general contract a lot of the work, but we manage them. So ultimately it's our responsibility to make sure that we live up to the deadline and that the jobs get done. So we don't necessarily have people from our company out there in the field of swinging hammers, right? Um, but we're managing those people that are. So are we sort of focused exclusively now um, on the container concept and you're going to be focusing on drive-through operations? You mentioned the patio, of course. Obviously, online ordering and delivery is huge right now. The takeout piece is, is very important, but there's not going to be really any dine-in operations. Is that true? Or it varies by location or by franchisee? So it varies by location of franchisee. Um, the, the core build-out is still the brick-and-mortar restaurant. Um, we're still trying to figure out all the nuts and bolts of the container um, ourselves, And we want to make sure we have that a thousand percent before we let someone buy into it. Um, but yes, the core build out is still the brick and mortar restaurant. This is just another option for um, a franchisee to get in at a lesser price point. Fantastic. Let's talk about staffing. Now, I understand, obviously, this this is a low labor intensive concept, which is great because obviously the labor crisis is ongoing. Um, are, are your franchisees finding any issues, you know, staffing their operations or where are they finding people? How's that going? So, I mean, we operate one company store in West Dundee, Illinois. Um, we don't have any franchises, franchises sold yet. So we don't have it. We don't have any businesses that are up and running, Um, but we do operate a flagship location in West Dundee. Um, And yeah, it it is a challenge. 
Um, it's a challenge to find labor. The good thing about Beef Roo is if you look at all the stores in Rockford, you look at our store in West Dundee, the shortest amount of time that a general manager has been there is 26 years. Amazing. 26, that's the shortest. Yeah. That speaks volumes. To- it does you know, to that leadership and to the power of the brand and, you know, just the relationship with the guests and and the popularity of what we've got here. So that's amazing because obviously this is a high turnover business and restaurant managers come and go, but to have that kind of leadership and and to really strive for that is is something, you know, exceptional. Let's talk about the training model. Um, One of the things you stand for, of course, obviously quality and consistency we've talked about, but it's also exceptional service which is really the definition of hospitality. Um, is that part of a system, part of the training that you will offer new franchisees? Because it's really so important to develop relationships with your guests and build repeat business and get online reviews and social media and all that buzz, because obviously you know that's, that's low cost marketing and it's got high return on investment. So is there a model for that? It is. So, so I work hand in hand uh, right now with our potential franchisees and what will be our, um, excuse me, franchisees going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, our model looks like this. Once we bring them on board, they come to our West Dundee location for three weeks. Um, they can do it on their time. They can split it up one week here, one week here. People have families. I get it. They need to go home, um, but they'll spend three weeks in-store training. Um, and that training is conducted by a manager that's been there now for 32 years. Um, so she'll give them all the knowledge that they need. After that's complete in three weeks and they're getting ready to open their store, then our team goes down to their location, helps train the staff, trains the owners, trains the operators up on everything that needs um, to be done. And then we stick around for the grand opening, making sure that everything that we taught them is getting implemented um, in order for them to be successful. You know, it's interesting because obviously um, the industry is highly competitive, like restaurants, obviously super competitive business. We don't need to tell anyone that. But what's interesting is I asked you that question earlier, is it a burger place that sells roast beef or is it a roast beef place that sells burgers? And obviously there are a million burger chains out there, of course, right? But there's only one that really comes to mind when we're talking about roast beef, which tells me you've got a really strong competitive position if you've got a really strong product and you're building that loyalty with guests where people love what they're offering. So would you consider that to be a competitive advantage? Are you sort of positioning yourself to go after, say, these, you know, the large name roast beef place out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're going to start becoming more well-known than the larger roast beef place that's out there right now. Um, yes, this is an old brand, but at the same time, it's also brand new um, because right. it's just being taken to market. So, you know, we have the proven success behind it. The proof of concept is done. The success mm-hmm. rate is there. Um, now it's just, we just have to plug them into different cities and states and the people, the consumers, they'll, they'll be able to determine the answer. Let's talk about the menu. Does it change? Do you add, you know, limited time offers? Does, you know, things come and go? You've got your fixed menu that never changes for the consistency sake of what people love about Beef Roo. But what's the process to bring in new menu items? Is it, you know, a complete R&D process? Is it focus groups? Is it, do you have an executive chef that comes up with these ideas and then you test it on your best customers? Like, what's your process for that? Sure. So we do roll out uh, new products every month for limited time offers. Uh, for example, for June, we rolled out rainbow cake for pride month, um, along uh-huh. with four different shake flavors. Um, yeah. Last month we did a lemon berry cookie. So, so we do something different every single month. 
Um, and that is coming under the direction of corporate. So corporate does have a team where um, they test out these products, they do it at a specific store, um, and then they determine if they think it will work or not. And then they give us the materials that we need to advertise and to make the product in-house. Now, what about economies of scale? Obviously, the biggest chains has, have the biggest buying power and with rising costs that are seemingly out of control right now and supply chain issues, how much of that is a factor right now in your business? And how, you know, how will the stores deal with this problem if it's ongoing when the volatility of the market means one day I could be paying this a case of meat and the next minute it's $10 more a case? It's like there's only so much that a, you know, that a restaurant can control. And obviously it helps to have buying power from a buying group, but how does all that work? Sure. So obviously, yes, inflation has played a factor into our restaurants. And to be honest with you, what we do um, is we've had to raise prices, um, but we're honest with our customers about it. You know, we, we, can, we can downgrade the quality, um, but that's not why you guys come here. You guys come here because of the fresh and yes. uh, good quality of our food. So in order to keep maintaining that, we're going to have to raise the price X amount. Um, our customers are very understanding of that. Um, so it hasn't been that big um, of a pushback from our customers. Now, from a supply chain issue, yes, we're running into issues of, you know, we're having trouble securing this specific product. The great thing is, is that Beefer has been with this same vendor for over 25 years. Um, so they take care of us. You know, we're one of their main primary um, original accounts. Um, so they're pretty darn good at getting us uh, what we need and what we want when we need it and when we want it. Thank you for bringing up the quality. Um, I think this company early on took a stand for quality and I, I believe I read Farm Fresh somewhere. Tell us about the quality of the product that, that your stores serve exactly sure. across, the, uh, across the menu. Sure. So a lot of people, when they first see that we're um, a roast beef or burger joint, um, they see that we're fast food. Well, we're not, right? So we're fast casual. Mm -hmm. And what that means is we make everything to order. So we're not holding any product. We're not letting fries sit in a fry holding unit for six minutes and get cold. We don't have these PHUs with burgers pre-made in them. Every single thing in our restaurant is made to order. Um, from fries to burgers, to roast beef sandwiches, to mahi-mahi, to salads. Um, everything is made in-house. So our roast beef comes in a box and, and we cook it in-house for six and a half hours. Um, and it's cut in store. Um, our buns, we get uh, fresh buns every single day. So we're not having this bread sitting around for a week and a half and it get hard on our customers. Mm -hmm. um, the, the quality is just exceptional. And I think that's why Beef Roo, um, even through the pandemic, when they saw some of their best sales has been able to just keep just crushing it and be voted, you know, the number one regional chain year after year in Rockford um, and those types of things. What qualifications are you looking for in new franchisees? Do they need prior restaurant experience? Do they need prior business experience. How much training happens? Do you have sort of a company-owned training facility that they come in for a couple of weeks and you indoctrinate them in the brand and in how you do everything? Tell us about that whole process. Yeah. So for the training, uh, we do three weeks of training in our West Dundee location. That is our flagship um, mm -hmm. training location. Um, as far as qualifications go, yes, restaurant prior experience would be great. We don't necessarily require it. Um, obviously, we have capital requirements that they have to meet. But the biggest thing that we're looking for is for someone that we can bring on and that can come on 
and it be a partnership. So I'm, we're, we're not just handing these out to anybody who wants to make a buck. Obviously, that's their goal is to make money getting into this. But we want to make sure that we're able to have a very close relationship with them um, to hold their hand through this process to make sure that they're successful. Because the only way that we're successful is if they're successful. Um, so if we you know, don't feel that someone's a right fit, then we're going to tell them, even, even if they are 100% qualified. Um, and that poses its own challenges too, sometimes because you really want to, you know, expand and get this into the market, but we have to make sure that it works, uh, good for both parties. So the plan is 50 plus stores. Is that over the next three to five years is your timeline roughly or? Yes, exactly. Okay. And you're going to expand the Midwest and in the South as well. Like, is it a regional rollout kind of thing? Or if some franchisee listening or potential franchisees listening to this podcast, and they happen to be in Tucson, Arizona, and they say, this is the right market for this. Will you take a look at those markets or you're literally staying to a region before you expand to other regions? We will, we, we will look at any market. We have interest, mm-hmm. uh, from a group in Vegas that that, that oh. we've taken a look at. Um, yeah. So, you know, our, yes, we say that, you know, our goal is to expand in the Midwest and the South, but we're getting, you know, comments from everywhere of, I want to open one here. Um, you know, if someone even wants to take a look at Fairbanks, Alaska, I mean, we'll look at it. Um, it you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to turn down an opportunity. I'll put it that way. Can you, let's talk a little bit more about the menu itself, because one of the first things you said is we tried the product and it kind of knocked our socks off. Now, is it about the seasoning of the roast beef? Is it a flavor profile? Is it the tenderness? Is it all of the above? Like what sets your product apart from any competition out there that, that is also putting out a product that people might like or love, you know, that sort of thing. I I really want to get a sense of, okay, make me taste it and smell it. And before I even see it kind of thing, you know, describe yeah. what's special about your product. I think you hit the nail on the head with the, all of the above. I mean, from, from the freshness to slicing it in front of you in house to seeing the sandwich get made because our kitchen's open view to customers. Excellent. Um, yep. I love that. You know, seeing the buns get toasted and then just the freshness of it, the temperature of it, because it's made right there, uh, made to order. Um, just everything about it was just, you haven't had anything like it until you try it. And you can control service in, in a certain number of minutes to serve a guest, I'm, I'm assuming, right? It's yes. all about, okay, you mentioned fast casual. So it's high quality food in a casual environment and you have a drive through and you've got systems dialed, but people really come in for convenience as well as the food, right? And, sure. and I'm getting that convenience is part of that model. So it is fairly quick service. It is absolutely. Our ticket times are about four minutes. Oh, that's, that's great. Oh, tremendous. Very cool. Um, Let's talk about loyalty programs and marketing. What specific support do you offer or are you planning to offer new franchisees in terms of a marketing plan and the tried and true, follow this plan, you will be successful. Everything from a soft opening to a grand opening to regular promotions to we have a loyalty program in place and we're really trying to build that repeat business. Like It's a whole strategy unto itself, sure. right? So what type of marketing support is there and what do you believe is really tried and true that, that really delivers that ROI? Sure. So our chief development officer, Megan Rosen, handles um, the marketing aspect of it. Um, we do work with a third party um, that specializes in getting um, franchisees off the ground, as well as driving sales to the restaurant. 
Um, so we would require our franchisees to onboard with them. Um, that would, you know, be part of the royalties that they pay. Um, and they would, that company would assist them with, um, the marketing. I'm trying to, um, be careful of what I'm saying because we're switching companies. Okay, uh, sure. Yes. So, I don't um, mean to trip we, 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 Yes, we have a third party in place that uh, specializes in that. Listen, I'm all about marketing, but believe me, very few marketing ideas today are fully trackable where you know exactly where the business is coming from. And you also know that it's generating a positive return on your investment. Now, I no longer own restaurants, but if I did, this idea would be at the very top of my marketing plan. It's all about birthdays. Everyone has a birthday, and they are a huge, let me repeat that, huge source of business in your restaurant. Why wouldn't you want to focus in on reaching everyone with a birthday in your area? Well, you can with the Birthday Club from FanConnect. Best part is they do everything for you. You get a turnkey marketing system that sends birthday cards in advance, inviting people to celebrate at your restaurant from your area code, plus a sign-up strategy for your existing customers. New business, repeat business, higher check averages, and a massive customer database. You can get all this with the Birthday Club. Check it out and sign up now at getfanconnect.com forward slash birthday rockstar. Get big flavor with little labor with Smokin' Fast from Smithfield. It's fully cooked or smoked proteins, including American barbecue staples and global flavors. Everything from ribs to pulled chicken to brisket and barbacoa are all authentically slow cooked to perfection. It's so delicious your guests will never know it wasn't smoked right in your own kitchen. Now you can add barbecue to your menu without adding a pit master to your payroll. Visit smithfieldculinary.com slash smokinfast. That's spelled S-M-O-K-E-N-F-A-S-T. Different franchise companies will allow their franchisees different amounts of leeway in good ideas, new ideas. Um, how does that work? I mean, obviously, the most successful franchisees or franchises are those that really stick to the magic formula and don't fix what isn't broken and all that sort of thing. You know, and that is like the basic tenet of a solid franchise, right? Just not yeah. deviating from the formula that is proven to work in different market areas and all that sort of thing. Yet in different communities, there are different, you know, wants and desires of the public. And is there any type of, um, you know, independence? Can they make decisions in certain areas? Do they need to run everything by, you know, the main franchise first? What, what is that amount of leeway that, that you offer? Sure. So, so we do offer quite a bit of leeway, and I'm glad glad you brought this up because I was just having a discussion about this uh, on Wednesday with the potential franchisees down in Texas, um, and they said, you know what? Um, they they actually had kept, came out to West Dundee and met us there and and saw the operation, did a discovery day, um, and they go, you know what? We really like your green sign that you guys have an exterior building, but red would really fit what we're trying to do. Okay, then make it red if that's what it works. Right, we'll get your brand standard with red, then go ahead and make it red. Well, what if uh, we want to sell brisket? Can we do that? The answer is yes, because as long as you're not deviating from our core menu and you're still offering the menu items that we require, I have no problem with adding on to the needs of the community. Now, all of that will have to be ran by myself for approval um, to make sure that we're not deviating from what we're there for and what we're known for and what we're selling. 
Um, but if someone wants to sell ice cream cones as well as shakes, go for it. There's also a, a strategy about menu profit. And as a restaurant coach myself, I've worked with numerous clients that put menus together randomly and, and somewhat haphazardly because they believe, okay, my, my customer, my guest wants this and Joe down the street has that. And you know, especially today, it's so important to cost out every single menu item so that you know what profit it's delivering. But even if you've done that, you know, what I find is profits can be all over the place in different categories where this is contributing this profit, but it's stealing sales away from something that's more profitable. And when we talk about the leeway of bringing in menu items, do you, do they run this, the sort of finances by corporate or do you teach them how to, how to do this sort of thing? Because there are restaurants out there today with these rising costs we're talking about that have no idea that they're actually losing money selling certain items that aren't contributing any profit at all. And they might have busy restaurants and they're filling their seats and they're wondering, why is the bank account not growing? You know, right. And that is a big needle mover, this whole profit thing. You know, And you got to maximize profit. And what I'm finding is in different categories, the spread profit difference in each category among items is dollars and not pennies. I really don't care if it's 35 cents, 50 cents difference, sure. but when you're losing $3, $4, $5, every time you sell this versus that, yeah. it's like, what's the point? You're paying the highest wages to the, the cooks in the kitchen yeah. to make anything. It's like the menu science and the design is so critically important right now. So you know, franchise operators have all these systems dialed, but suddenly when you say, okay, you know, we encourage you to come up with new menu items, there's got to be a process to say, hey, this isn't going to cannibalize sales of our tried and true standard branded right. item. You know what I mean? Does that Correct. happen to any extent? Yes, exactly. Because like I said, it's, we, we can't deviate from what we are, right? And we are yeah. a roast sandwich place that sells burgers, right? It's great if you want to sell ice cream, but that's not why we're there. We're not an ice cream parlor. We can offer it and you can sell it, right. but that is not to be your primary focus. What are you finding? Technology is now advancing every single day in this space. And I think the pandemic, I mean, there was a lot of restaurant tech out there before the pandemic, but the pandemic really kicked in in a high gear, you know, because it was all about safety and convenience and changing business models because of the pivots when they shut dining rooms down and restaurant full serve restaurants could no longer have in everything had to go online ordering and curbside pickup and takeout and delivery and all that sort of thing. So is there a certain amount of technology that is absolutely essential that you found within your organization that obviously the franchisees will adopt to become the new normal or, you know, you can't live without it now because the, the public has gotten so used to that convenience that this technology offers. There's so much out there in so many different areas, but what have you found to be really important? Yeah. Third-party delivery, a hundred percent. I mean, mm. it's yep. once the pandemic hit, it was just between Uber, Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, everything out there was just, for sure. that was our, our business. And that's how a lot of these companies survived was, was getting involved with these third parties. And a lot of people didn't want to get involved with third parties in the beginning because of the fees. Um, and then, you know, the third party yes. was able to give us um, a ways to where we can mark our product up on third party deliveries to kind of offset those fees. And then I saw a lot of companies really coming on board and now everything was just getting pushed through third party, third party, third party, take pizza, for example, even my, uh, some of my parents' restaurants, they couldn't find delivery drivers during the pandemic that to work for them in-house. So what did third party do? DoorDash and Grubhub came up with a way that 
If you need something delivered from your restaurant, you just hit a button and then they'll come and pick it up from your restaurant for you, even though the customer placed the order directly with your store and then they'll deliver it. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it certainly is. Now, there's another emerging trend out there that literally is is virtual restaurant brands. So yeah. if any operator, I mean, you've heard of this, you've seen this, like there's a number of companies emerging where they'll create 10, 15, 20 brands around what you're already serving and they just put it up online and no, and the guest or the customer has no idea where it's coming from because they're using third-party delivery. And suddenly you can, you can turn the switch on or off on a Monday or Tuesday if that's when you need the business and you don't have to use it on a Friday and Saturday or the weekends when you don't need the business and that kind of thing. And as long as you maintain the consistency of the product, it could be roast beef is us or we are roast beef sandwiches, whatever the name is, you could have 10 different. Do you see that as a viable opportunity? Do you stay away from that whole concept if it can drive business on slower days for your, you know, your future franchisees, just out of curiosity. It's, it's a trend now. And opposed to it, Roger, but yeah, Beefru was built around the customer experience and that's what it was built around. And I don't want to deviate from that. Good answer as you shouldn't. Fantastic. Terrific. Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges to, to maintaining consistency in the future? Because again, as this organization grows, it's so important that everything be online, on strategy, on brand, all that sort of thing, and that the, the end guest experience is consistent. Um, some franchise operators have secret shoppers that go in. Um, management personnel will travel the country and they'll dine in this one and this one, and they'll and they'll literally rank a, a particular yep. operator in terms of did you hit the mark on A, B, C, D, E, and F, that sort of thing. Because it's so important to maintain the integrity and consistency of the brand. Do you have a plan in place for that, or is it a little looser, looser structured, or what would you say? No, we do have a plan in place. So yes, we're going to use secret shoppers, but. The, the big one is going to be um, us going in the field um, and doing audits on these franchisees to make sure that they're living up to the brand standard. Not only to go down there and check to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but like I said, this hand-holding process with them is we're not just going to walk them through, um, bringing them on board, get their grand opening and say, see you later and never see us again. We're not going to do that. We're going to be down there doing audits, helping them out, making sure that their product's getting made correctly, good food's going out. They're not doing necessarily whatever they want in those stores. Um, so that is our plan to make sure to keep consistency the same. Do you expect that your future operators will be very hands-on in the business? Do you mind if they hire management talent, if they can afford to do so? Um, it's going to evolve over time. How, how do you see that happening? I mean, you, you will have operators that will be multi-unit franchise operators that might start five or 10 or 20 of these and have the big picture, yet they're hiring the management team to run those stores. And then you're going to have your individual franchisee who literally is going to be in the store five, six, seven days a week and be in the head of the show and, and everything in between. Do you, are you leaning toward any particular management style or, or operation right now? Yeah. So what I've realized is it goes one of two ways, which you just said, either they want to be in the store six, seven days a week, or they don't want to be in the store at all. They want to hire a manager to do it and let the manager run the store. We're okay with both options, right? We do require the owners to be at training. So they have to know how to make this product. They have to know the processes and procedures. Um, but 
yes, we allow them to hire their own management team. Um, and we assist in that if they request our assistance to find a good candidate that would be a good fit with the knowledge to bring the restaurant off the ground. Um, but we're, we're, we're good with both. As you know, I was really, or I am really intrigued with your container concept. Do you believe that that will be the, the benchmark for the future? And I say that because so many restaurants have gone out of business since the pandemic hit. And, you know, the statistics are like 100,000 plus restaurants are now gone. And people would say this is the easiest and least least expensive, costly way to get into the business because there's space across this country that's already fit up as a restaurant, just waiting for someone to come in, take over, turn the lights on and, and operate it again. Are you, yeah. you know, will your franchisees be looking at any of these spaces if they're in a great location or do you really want the consistency and the standard to become this unique container concept we talked about? Listen, I, I want the franchisee to do what they think is best for them. Um, I do think that this container concept is a benchmark. Okay. They can get cool. it for, for a lot cheaper. You can plug these things in um, as long as there's the utilities and everything that you need. Um, and look, the, the, the fact is a lot of less people are dining in. Everything's going third party. Everything's going drive through. Um, so if we don't need a big 5,000, 4,000, 8,000 square foot building um, and to have that rent expense, then great. We'll put it in a container. Lower overhead, lower investment. These are some of the competitive advantages, plus the uniqueness of that container concept. Fantastic. Do you have any advice out there for people that are intrigued with this concept who may or may not have um, you know, restaurant experience, but they are business-minded and they're just intrigued by what they heard? How can they get in touch? Email me or call my cell phone. I'd be, I'd be happy to get involved and, and uh, give advice and... Um, partner up with something and, and maybe do something and go in on something together and make something work. Well, Austin, you certainly shared a really dynamic concept with us. Thanks so much for being with us. Sure. Thanks for having me. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thanks again to our audience for tuning in and we hope you all stay well. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, Austin, for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate your insights into how you operate Beefaroo and also the multiple profit center model as well as your new unique concept in a container model. Lower overhead, easier to open the business, and uh, it's a real interesting opportunity. So thanks for sharing. Thanks to the sponsors of this week's episode, and we can't wait to see you in the next one. So stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.